Amen. We see Paul praying for the Christians at Colossians in the passage that we just read. And at the close of this, he gives them some very specific instructions on something that every believer can and should be thankful for. It's ironic to me that in this season of Thanksgiving, I got an email in my inbox this week with offers of assistance, a printed resource on how to be better at complaining. You may have got one too. It said, this Christmas season, your package will be late. This Christmas season, you will get something other than what you ordered. This Christmas season, the restaurant will serve you the wrong food. This Christmas season, you will lose your bags as you travel. And you need to know how to complain to get results. Anybody here need coaching on how to complain? I have to tell you, I've been monitoring my own speech, and I don't need any coaching on how to complain. Uh, I think, in many ways, it's just kind of wired into our DNA. Tuesday night, we were at GPS, and I was talking to a couple of the leaders who were there with me, and we were all sharing, what a terrible day we've had. (laughs) And I had to stop, and I thought, wait, wait. The Bible has something to say about this. I know because I've been studying it two weeks, trying to get ready for this sermon. And it says, do everything without murmuring or complaining. And it says that our hearts are to be filled. I had to stop and apologize to those guys and say, look, I'm sorry. I, 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 I am just whining and complaining when God has been so good. Listen to these exhortations or commands from Scripture. I'm just going to read them out really quick. Philippians 2, uh, uh, 14 and 15, Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish. By the way, that's uh, the opposite. So grumbling and complaining equals blemish. In the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So not grumbling and complaining is shining forth as lights in the world. First Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in every circumstance. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Colossians chapter 2. Paul writes and says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk ye so in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, always abounding in thanksgiving. And again, back in Philippians 4, a passage we're very familiar with, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice, rejoice, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication. Let your request be made known unto God. And with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. I mean, Ephesians, when Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, he says, Speak to one another as you're filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things, giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to our God and Father. Paul 
frequently, the New Testament frequently has Paul and John just giving expressions of adoration to God. And of course, uh, the 103rd Psalm, which we'll look at a little bit more detail later. But here's the exhortation. Listen to me. We're to be filled with thanksgiving. Not, as Stephen said, not just November and December. But we are to be characterized as people who are grateful. Not murmuring, not complaining, but grateful. And that does not mean that we're grateful for our circumstances. Won't you understand that? In this world, you will have tribulation. Somebody will run into your car and drive off. Somebody will get a bad diagnosis from the doctor and have to have surgery. And somebody is going to lose a loved one, a mom. You're going to have things happen to you or that have happened to you, listen to me, in the last week or two weeks or three weeks. And some of you are going to have years. Suzanne and I have had these where we get to the end of the year and we're like, Lord, we just simply thank you. We survived and that one's done. Can anybody relate to that? Father, thank you for your faithfulness. But the circumstances were almost overwhelming. As a matter of fact, had it not been for your grace, we might have become bitter and complaining. Had it not been for your grace, we might have given up and quit. Had it not been for your grace... There's no telling how bad it could have been. So here's what I want you to understand. When you come to Christ, it's not a promise of free sailing in a bed of roses. When you come to Christ, it's a promise of Christ's sufficiency for you. So that in whatever circumstance you are in, in whatever difficulty that you are facing, whatever struggle you have, you can still not be a complainer, Jim teaches a class, and he's got a sign he hangs up on the wall, I know, because I go and it says, no whining aloud. I want one of those, by the way. But I want one of those so I can carry it around and stick it in my review mirror. So I can put it in my office. No whining aloud. Why? Because there are some things that we know, things that we have experienced. We have an almighty, loving God who blesses us every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. And the, 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 the perspective of our life that needs to be displayed in our conversation is gratitude, thanksgiving, rejoicing in the Lord. This does not mean that bad things don't happen. They do. We're promised that they will. Our thankfulness is not dependent upon our circumstances. We are rather invited, summoned to rise above our circumstances and see the goodness of God in our circumstances. You guys ever heard of Matthew Henry? Uh, born in the late 1600s, he served churches in Wales and in England through the 1700s or to, for his life most of the 18th century. He, he wrote a commentary, he wrote a six-volume commentary set on the whole Bible. A good and godly man. But he also wrote a diary, and I have a copy of it. Uh, in, in his diary, it's published, I don't, didn't steal it. He's, he's got a published diary that, that, that's distributed. But uh, in his diary, he writes about the day that someone broke into his home and robbed him. Have you ever been robbed? 
Has anybody ever broken into your car or broken into your house? There are few things that will, uh, I don't know the phrase, rile you up more because you're personally violated. Your space. Somebody came into your space and took your stuff. And we've been, we've been robbed in the past. Um, and so I was curious as to what he would say. Somebody had stolen his purse or his wallet. Somebody had, had robbed his home. And in his diary he wrote, Let me be thankful. Let me be thankful first because he never robbed me before. <laughs> okay? First time. Second, because although he took my resources, my purse, my money, he did not take my life. So, praise the Lord for what he did take. Praise the Lord for what he didn't take. I'm grateful. The third thing, he says, I I like this. He says, although he took all of I possessed, it wasn't that much. (laughs) Isn't that great? Kind of a backhanded thankfulness. Although he took all of I I possessed, it wasn't that much. But here's, here's the one that really drove home to me. He said, and fourth... I thank thee because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. We have to recognize that in every circumstance, God is worthy of our praise. And we can cultivate an attitude and a heart of thanksgiving. In this letter at Colossians, Paul gives these believers three reasons that every Christian can express thanksgiving to God. And I want us to look at them. We'll look at them quick. I want to review that verse and then we're going to walk through them really quick. Chapter 1 of Colossians verse 12, telling them you should be giving thanks, telling us we should be giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you, that's us as believers, to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I want to just pause right there and that's your first point because when the Jews heard share the inheritance, share the inheritance of the saints in light, they would have immediately gone back to share inheritance, children of Israel, wandering in the wilderness, God's promise to the promised land. We have a very clear picture here of something that was really brought home to many of us this week, and that is that God has given us an inheritance that is to come. It is a inheritance that is not here yet. It is an inheritance. It is a promise of things to come, and it is a promise of eternity in His presence. We need to thank God for where we are going. For every person who has given his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. For every person who has been convicted of sin and righteousness and judgment. For every person who has been made into a new creation by the Holy Spirit of God. Here's great good news. You've got a home being built. A home not made with hands. A body not made with hands. You've got a destination that you are headed to. And it is heaven. In heaven, there's a song we used to sing when I was a kid on the bus routes. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I'm going to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. And I believe that you and I need to, one of the things that we can do is be more heavenly minded and grateful that life that begins here does not end here for the believer Jesus is the giver of eternal life. Like the children of Israel, God provided for their needs in the wilderness. Number one, it was wilderness. You ever feel like you're living in a wilderness? Number two, their needs were met, but it was manna, not steak. Okay? 
Number three, he counted on them to serve one another and gave them instructions on how they ministered to each other. But Jesus, in Luke chapter 12, gives us an interesting picture of heaven to come. When he talks about the bridegroom coming back in Luke chapter 12, verse 35, he says, You should stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like the men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, get this now. Here's what he says. He, the master, will dress himself for service and have them, the servants, recline at the table. And he, the master, will come and serve him. Folks, I'm convinced that we don't know near as much about heaven as we ought to know. That we haven't studied the scriptures and searched them and recognized that we have a destination. Again, this Friday, we had the funeral service for Charlene Williams. 85 years old, precious saint. Got saved when she was, and baptized when she was 11 years old in this church. And the promise of God, abundantly clear, is that Christ has gone before and has prepared a place. And He is going to welcome all of us who place our faith in Him, respond to Him in repentance and faith, who've been new, who've been, what we just sang about, washed in the blood, heaven is our eternal destiny. And that's good news. That is great news because heaven is a wonderful place. It's greater than we can imagine. Now, it's not fluffy clouds and harps and you get little wings and little halos on your head. We have such a, a anemic picture of what heaven is like. Heaven is a real place. It is going to be a society and a culture with real people. And our God will be in our midst. And there will be no need of the sun to shine by day or the moon to shine by night. For He will be the light of the place. And in the parable, in Luke chapter 12, the picture that we have is here we serve one another and we are God's hands and feet. There, He will serve us as, as His children. We will worship Him. We will join and worship Him totally and completely. We know a few things. The psalmist writes, In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16, 11. 1 Corinthians 13:12. Then I shall know as I am Known. We'll have no more unanswered questions, no confusion or ignorance. It is a place where there's going to be no more weeping and no more sorrow and no more pain. But again, it's not going to be, it's not going to be just sitting around. It's going to be life. Life as God intends for it to be. Life as it should be. Life without the presence of evil. All light. No darkness. Now, how do we know we're going? Because we've been qualified. <laughs> That's the word that he uses in this text in verse 12. You have been qualified. Before, before that, I want to express appreciation to you guys. We had pastor appreciation uh, a couple of weeks ago, and you guys gave Suzanne and I a gift basket that was just wonderful. And we're very grateful for your graciousness to us and your kindness to us. Included in that gift basket were some gift cards to restaurants and we like to eat we enjoy going out to restaurants and sitting and taking selfies and posting them on Facebook I'm kidding but we enjoy going out to restaurants and and eating and and we were grateful I want you to know from the, from the moment we received it and knew we had received it we were thankful for the promise of a meal we hadn't had yet 
when we saw that Outback Steakhouse, we talked about the bread and the butter that they serve at the beginning of the meal. We talked about the different kind of steaks that are on the menu. I'm a ribs guy. And we talked about the things that we were going to enjoy. Now, we didn't talk about them long. We made a call. <laughs> and we went to enjoy it. But can I tell you something? You can be thankful for something you haven't experienced just because you've already got the ticket. You've got the gift certificate. You've got the gift card. You've got the guarantee. You have been qualified. It's been paid for. And it's coming As sure as the sun rises in the east. As sure as the promises of God. You can say today, whatever my circumstances, I'm just passing through. God's got a place for me eternally that I can look forward to. And we praise the name of Jesus. Because He qualified us. He removed all the barriers. He provided all the resources. He has done the work. To qualify you for the grace that we receive. This is what grace is, getting what we don't deserve. But now here's something every believer knows. We don't deserve heaven. Would you agree with me there? Guys, we understand that. We don't deserve heaven. What do we deserve instead? We deserve outer darkness. We deserve punishment. We deserve the penalty for our sins. And so we need to thank God not only, because when we talk about being saved, saved demands an object. Saved from what? Well, we're saved from condemnation. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world. Why? Because the world was condemned already. Jesus came that we might have life. Life in His Son, Jesus Christ. All right? That's what John three sixteen seventeen eighteen is all about. And so we can always praise God for the future that He has for us. Praise God for where I'm going. But we also need to praise God for what we're missing. And that's the second point on the outline. It's what He says in this text in Colossians. He has delivered us. Verse 13. Colossians 1, 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. And transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness. He's transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. The picture of light there, the kingdom of light, is all that is good and that is holy. The darkness is the exact antithesis and opposite of that. God dwells in unapproachable light. Paul writes to Timothy... Darkness is the complete absence of all that is good and holy. When we talk about what we miss, just to be abundantly clear, we miss hell. We miss all that is promised to those who reject the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We miss eternal punishment. We miss that or darkness. Now, I've got to tell you, I talk to lost people on a fairly, fairly regular basis about the gospel and what they can expect. I certainly see a lot of posts online. One of the conversations that I got into in a comment thread, by the way, I don't recommend that. It's not the best way to, to engage people in the gospel. But occasionally, the opportunity presents itself. And this guy said, I just don't care because when I get to hell, we're just going to have a party. Because I know a lot of other people that are going there. And we're just going to have our own party in hell. We don't need God to have a good time. And I had the responsibility to tell him, you don't know what hell is. Hell is outer darkness. Hell is torment. Hell is isolation. Hell, listen to me. You know what common grace is? 
Think about it for a minute. Do you know what common grace is? When the Bible talks about common grace, Jesus says God causes the sun to rise and to set on both the good and the evil. God causes the rain to fall on both the good and the evil. There are so many good things that we experience every day that are just common grace. When we talk about outer darkness and the absence of light, we're talking about no grace. No presence of God. No joy. No respect. Let me tell you, however bad it gets here, this is all the hell you will ever know if you're a child of God. And you need to thank God that even when you walk through the valleys and even when you go through the struggles here, you're never without His presence. We have no idea what the future holds. We do have, the problem is we have too good an idea of what the future holds for those who don't respond to the grace of God, those who are not saved, those who are not redeemed by God's Holy Spirit. And so, brother, I thank God for where I'm going. Father, thank you for your promise for me. I thank for what I'm missing. Father, thank you for delivering me from the domain of darkness. There's another component to what I'm missing, though. You know what God does when he saves you? He makes you new. He makes you new. He changes your very makeup. He changes you. He gives you a whole new life. He gives you a whole new nature. And some of us are missing and have been saved from situations that would be horrible to walk through and we know that because we see people walking through them all the time first corinthians chapter six paul's writing to the church at Corinth. there's a lot going on in that church and there's a lot going on in that chapter in the previous chapter and 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 then in chapter six and then in in subsequent chapters but here's one of the things that he says that just rings in in my head he says you know there are those who are greedy there are those who are sexually immoral There are those who are, in other ways, wicked and immoral. And theirs is not the kingdom of God. And then he goes into this, he says, And such were some of you. Some of you used to be right there. You used to worship in the temples. You used to be sexually immoral. Your relationships were crashed. You had an uncontrollable temple. You lived in constant fear and anxiety. You were greedy and selfish and self-centered. And all of those things have consequences on your life and the life of those around you and then christ came and you know what he did he saved you he rescued you he forgave you he washed you and he made you different years ago dad told an illustration in one of his sermons and i need to get better illustrations because i remember my dad's and maybe we can get some illustrations that just stick with us but dad told an illustration in the sermon about a guy who was an alcoholic i mean he was just a, a alcoholic he was abusive to his wife he would take his paycheck and he had kids he would take his paycheck and he would spend it and waste it and he would buy cases of his favorite alcohol and he would drink it and he was neglectful and he would put people's life at risk because he would get behind the wheel. And in that small town, everybody knew who he was and his reputation. The kids were known as, the, as, as his kids, the drunk's kids. And, and, and they had an evangelist come to town. And the pastor, my dad, and the evangelists were going out visiting, and they ran into this guy. And they cornered him. Now, I don't know. I've told you a lot about my dad. I know I've told you some. But he was with a very aggressive evangelist as well. And they just cornered this guy. And they presented him 
honestly, with a witness that I very seldom use personally in my conversation, they started talking to him about hell. And that's where they started the conversation. Because he started using that in his conversation when he was talking to them. They greeted him, and he was using profanity, and that's one of the words that he used. And they said, well, we're glad you brought that up. We need to talk to you. Because you're not in good health. you got all this stuff going on. It's not a secret. We're not here because we're mad at you. We're here because we care about you, because we're concerned about you. But you need to know what it is you're going to be facing. You need to know that one day you're going to take your last breath. One day you're going to close your eyes and you're not going to open them again. And one day you're going to be gone from this place and it's not heaven you're going to. There'll be no presence of God. There'll be no peace. There'll be no family to hang out with. There'll be no alcohol to relieve your mental anguish. There will be torment and isolation. But God made a way for you to be forgiven. God made a way for you to be cleansed. God made a way for you to be free. And that way is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they presented the gospel to him, and he listened and didn't listen. And you guys know how it is. Well, a week went by, two weeks went by, the evangelist was gone, dad was there. Guy got saved. He came to church one Sunday morning, ran down the aisle, and said, I've got to get saved, I've got to get saved, I've got to get saved. And he prayed and asked the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive his sins. He, he prayed and he stood up before the crowd and said, I'm a, I'm a new man, I'm, I'm, I, I am saved. And of course, typical Southern Baptist Church. Half the people said, praise the Lord. Half of the people said, we'll see. This guy, I'm not going to say he was perfect because he stumbled and he fell, but he was saved. And his life changed so radically that it blew his family away. He was talking to some of his old buddies. He gave this testimony later. He was talking to some of the old buddies that he used to hang around with. And one of them said to him, I just don't believe all that miracle stuff in the Bible. I don't believe it's true. It's obvious you're different. You don't hang out with us anymore. But anybody can, you know, if you've got strong enough willpower, you can make those kind of changes. He said, I just, you know, miracles, I think, you know, again, good in the South, a lot of Bible stories. Jesus can change water into wine. You really believe Jesus could change water into wine? The guy said, He changed beer into a place to live and food for my family when he changed me. He can do more than change water and the wine. He can change your heart and your life. Amen? Do we have something to be thankful for? We have thankful for grace. We know where we're going. We have thankful for mercy. We know what we're missing. But he goes on, and there's a phrase in this verse 13, in the first part of verse 14, that this ties right into. Man, we thank God for what we have today. What do we have today? He took us out of the domain of darkness. And what did he do? He brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son. And what does that tie into? He gives us specifically redemption. We have been purchased and forgiven. We are made clean. Let me tell you something. Today, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you ought to be thankful that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because every condemnation and every judgment for every sin you ever committed was applied to Christ on the cross. What can wash away my sin? Nothing. 
but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And when I come to him in repentance and faith, when his Holy Spirit opens the eyes and turns the light on and he makes me new, he makes me something I've never been before. I am redeemed. I'm no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. I am forgiven. I'm innocent. I'm qualified. I'm qualified. His beloved son, the son whom he loves. Let me tell you what happened to you when you got saved. You got put in Christ. You got put in Christ. Does the father love the son? You may answer. Does the father love the son? To what extent does the father love the son? Does he love him perfectly and completely and wholly? You know what? When you got saved, you got placed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the love that the Father has for the Son is the love that the Father has for you in Christ. Isn't that good? Aren't you glad you don't have to be good enough for God to love you? You know, we're used to fickle human love. Have a good day, I'm okay. Don't have a good day, not so much, you know. Uh, we, we, we all the time working on performance and always trying to make sure we do the right thing so that people approve of us or accept us. Let me tell you something. When you came to Christ in repentance and faith, He placed you in His Son. And His love for you is perfect and complete. Redeemed? Yes. Forgiven? Yes. But more than that, every day you have His presence and His power. What did Paul just pray? to the Christians at Colossae that we were just talking about. He prayed that they would be filled with wisdom in the knowledge of God, that they would recognize the power of God that works in them. That's God's promise for us today. Are you thankful, people? Hey, are you thankful, people? All day, every day, we can be thankful for where we're going. Every day, every day, we can be thankful for what we're missing. But every day, we can be thankful for the presence and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. Is God good? He is good indeed. So I'm going to ask you guys to pray what I've been praying. Father, do not let me be known as a complainer or a whiner. Father, set a guard over my mouth that I may not be recognized as a grumbler. You know... We don't have to learn how to complain. To develop a heart of gratitude is a discipline. It's a work of Christ in your life. You have to learn how to be thankful. Do you like it when people are ungrateful to you? No, a little ingrate. Look what I did for them. They didn't even say hello. And yet, could God justly call us ingrates? And so we need to be people who, by discipline and by decision... By joy and commitment, thank God. Thank Him for where we're going. Thank Him for what we're missing. Thank Him for what we have today. Because we recognize the goodness of God. Father, thank You for the privilege that we have to be Your children. Thank You that we're washed in the blood, made new in in Christ Jesus. Thank You that You've prepared a place for us. And if You go and prepare a place for us, You will come again and receive us unto Yourself. That where we are, there, where You are, there we may be also. Thank you, Father, that you've made known to us very clearly the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. 
Father, thank you for what we're missing, that we are not cast into outer darkness, that we are no longer uh, strangers to the grace of God, that we're no longer spiritually dead, that we're no longer under the domain of darkness, but you have transferred us to the kingdom of your beloved Son. You've made us children of light. You've placed us in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's paid the penalty. He has bought the certificate, if you will. He has satisfied the just requirements of a holy God and made it so that we can be forgiven, redeemed, cleansed, and purchased. And Father, thank you that that, that while all that's in the future, there is today. We have you today. Your might, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in us, desires to work in us and through us. You desire to work in us and through us and to be sufficient for all of our needs. And you are. Help us to be grateful to you. And so, Father, help us as a people. Help me, but help us as a people to be people who are known. No whining. Rather, all praise as an expression of our gratitude to you. In your name I pray.